Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Huffington Post Politics Podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Graham Dominique, Paul War, and Ned Simons. This week we saw the seemingly endless reshuffle by Jeremy Corbyn of his shadow cabinet. There was also talk about floods and the government's reaction to them. Did they do enough? And David Cameron took the bold move of saying that cabinet ministers would be able to campaign with their conscience in the upcoming EU referendum. We'll kick off, though, by talking about the seemingly endless reshuffle. It starts at the beginning of the week. We think it might be finished now at this time of recording. Here's a clip of Diane Abbott last night talking about why some of the people who had stepped down might not have been perhaps entirely buying into the Corbyn project. When you look at some of the other people, if you look at Jonathan Reynolds, if you look at um, uh, Mr Duggar, if you look at... um, If you look at some of these others, what do they have in common? They're all former special advisers and what you're seeing is people that came up under a certain system where you did politics at uni you became a special advisor you became an mp you became a minister who are rightfully upset because jeremy's brought a whole lot of new energy and new people but into what's politics. so interesting and asked that clip jonathan reynolds who uh, was mentioned there tweeted that he'd never been a special advisor and uh, he uh, some sort of dig at dan abbott was sending her kids to private school Paul War was the man who was not only in the stairwell, but seemingly in the rooms at some point when all these discussions were going on. Paul, do you just want to give us a quick appraisal of what exactly Jeremy Corbyn did and why the hell it took so long? Well, as you pointed out, it could still be going on as this podcast goes out. I mean, this morning we had six extra posts for junior ministerial posts to replace those who'd gone, who'd been fired or quit. And at that point I worked out it had been, I think, 65 hours and 58 minutes long. But if... Uh, this reshuffle continues in the sense that Angela Rayner, who's one of the junior whips, hasn't yet been replaced. It could still be 80 or 90 hours before we get the final, final appointment for this reshuffle. That, that, that's Without wanting to give anything away, that really does ruin this week's quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is important. My favourite part of the reshuffle was the first kind of 24 hours when nothing happened. I think I managed to fly back from southern Europe or something. I did. In, when nothing was going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was a, there's a lot of kind of uh, on Newsnight. I noted that they did, devoted a whole section to the reshuffle at half ten, and the, there was no news to report on it. But they still manfully ploughed on with a discussion on the reshuffle that hadn't yet happened. Let's boil it down. Yeah. What? Who? What? Where? Why? How? Look, what's this ultimately about? Is Jeremy Corbyn asserting both his authority as leader and his mandate as leader? The mandate means that he was elected, let's be frank, on a radical, not just domestic policy, but a radical foreign policy. For Jeremy Corbyn, unlike every, any previous Labour leader, foreign policy defines him. You know, he's been, an, a, a, over the years, for more than 30 years, a man who says, look, we should reset our relationship with the United States. We shouldn't get involved in wars overseas. Um, he's been a committed unilateralist. And if you've got someone like that who thinks that he's got a mandate from the members for those views and has been elected with a nearly 60% of the vote, you can see why he wants to get people 
of like mind in the right positions on policy. Now, what do you do that to begin with? That's what I don't get. Well, don't forget, at the beginning, they were, they were new to the game. Let's be frank, Owen. You know, a lot of the people like Jeremy had never been involved in frontline politics, front bench politics. And so they didn't know the mechanics of who to appoint and when. This is it's natural after a few months. You can see why it's beginning to settle down. However, the last few days has showed how still rough around the edges they all are about the whole game because you don't let this whole reshuffle dominate everything else, and we'll talk about that later. But ultimately, it comes down to policy. It's not about... Re I think the, the reshuffle is actually a sideshow in this whole thing. It's about the leader and the people around him asserting control over policy, and that policy is going in a unilateral direction. It's going in a completely different direction on foreign policy. And I, I don't want to overwork this metaphor, but it is as if the, the PLP have, have finally slowly woken up to how big this change is. It's like putting on one of those green energy bulbs which don't quite come on at first. And, <laughs> and finally, it's really light, and they can see the light. Well, yeah, actually, he really does mean it. He's not going. So I get that's why you move Maria Eagle from Shadow Defence, because Maria Eagle is someone who believes Britain bases should have an independent nuclear deterrent. But then why do you move Michael Duggar from Shadow Culture, Media and Sport, Graham? What was his great sin? Um, well, apparently, his, his great sin was a mixture of disloyalty and, um, and uh, incompetence. But I think the, the problem with this... Which was the worst crime? Well... Uh, exactly. I mean, this this this, this is the problem. I'm just worried for my own appraisal later <laughs> yeah. on this year. Um, I think this is a, this is this is one of the kind of big problems with the reshuffle was that the, 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 the not so much what what he did, which there is a there is I suppose is an intellectual argument for, for for kind of why he did these things, but it was kind of how he handled them. So the disloyalty thing. Kind of like just just smacks of hypocrisy, does it not? Given that this is a man who has rebelled against his party more than his, his previous leaders than any other. And Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn, yeah. and how that it was handled with people like uh, Pat, Pat McFadden. How um, the exact quote that Pat McFadden gave that upset Jeremy Corbyn was issued by um, Jeremy Corbyn's press team as a reason as a reason why he was being sacked. So Pat McFadden was shadow minister for Europe and he stood up in the House of Commons, didn't he? And he basically said we shouldn't be infantilising. I can't say the word. Infantilising, yeah. That's the word. Treating them like children. Terrorists. Shouldn't we treat terrorists like children? Terrorists are bad, basically, yeah, is what he was saying. Yeah. And that was singled out. And I think this is that, that in itself has, uh, has upset a lot of people as a way this thing that's what this triggered thing been, Jonathan Reynolds to out. quit, wasn't it? Kind of the treatment of McFadden was the trigger behind kind of those three junior ministers leaving, saying, "Well, I think that as well." So if you're being fired for saying that, then I'm off too. But it was ultimately McFadden and Duggar. The, the leader felt that it was more abuse rather than open debate, and that's what we keep being told. Right. The difference between debating subjects and putting your view and being generally abusive and dis. Isn't that one of those irregular, one of those irregular verbs? I debate you, you um, abuse me. Yeah, is exactly. That what, is that it, what it is? is? Precisely. But I think what's really significant is the relationship between Corbyn and Hillary Benn and how sustainable it still is. Benn won a big victory by staying. There's no question. A lot of up to eleven, I heard, shadow ministers would have walked if he'd been fired. So Benn asserted his own authority. He brazenly yesterday said, I've not been muzzled. He did not sign up to any sort of written uh, agreement in blood that said you will never, ever again uh, contradict the leader on foreign policy. He said he'll do it from the back benches in a personal capacity, but he'll do it. Um, the difficulty is you've got things like, only today, you know, you've got people starving in this village in Syria. Uh, and there's a request from the UK Solid uh, Solidarity Syria campaign, which is saying, why don't we have an RAF food airdrop? Now, Jeremy Corbyn is against the RAF being over Syria point blank. 
you've got, you've got Hillary Benn, who's in favour of it. So you would have thought Ben would be free now to say, yeah, of course the RAF should drop food there, but his leader might not let him say that. That's the kind of contradiction and tension we're going to continue to see, I think. Um, and I think it's difficult. Ben, it's worth saying, got his way by getting a Europhilic um, uh, Europe minister as a replacement for McFadden. Where you were, uh, Pat Glass, we all said the other night after midnight. And uh, we, uh, Pat Glass. <laughs> Great is, political moments you, of our you, time. Yeah. Yeah, Pat Glass is a Europhile. He also made sure that today he's got Fabian Hamilton, neighbouring MP in, in Leeds, uh, replacing um, um, another junior foreign minister, which was Stephen Doughty. Um, so, you know, Ben has asserted his own authority, but how sustainable is it? I don't know. Um, your Jenga analogy, which you blogged on today, Owen, um, might, might apply. I did. I wrote this thing about how basically the big issue is going to be Trident. And if you imagine this reshuffles like a game of Jenga, don't look at it like that, Graham. Yeah. Just bear with me on this one. Where are you going with this? Here we go. And he's sort of, you're sort of prodding the pieces to see the weak ones, but keep the tower going. And that's the people who's kind of got to live at the moment. When the Trident vote comes along, if Jeremy Corbyn says, no, we're going to vote against renewing Trident, you're going to see a load of cabinet ministers, junior ministers, top to bottom of the shadow cabinet, walking out because they do not want to be part of a unilateralist government, uh, shadow government. Ned, what you watched on air when the... Doughty resigned. Doughty quit. Doughty yeah. quit, didn't he? What was, I mean, what was the reaction, do you think, also on social media and that kind of stuff? What was, uh, people think it was a good thing to do or was it a bit pathetic? I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, Doughty and the two other junior ministers leaving is not make a massive impact on how public view the Labour Party is. I mean, people don't really know who they are. I mean, you're not being mean to them, but does the public know who Jonathan Reynolds but, and Stephen Doughty are? they know who Ken Livingston is. They know who Ken Livingston is, who and actually was, was on, today, was on uh, Daily Politics just now um, saying that uh, membership of NATO might be part of Labour's defence review. <laughs> so it's kind of story machine Ken Livingston already, you know, kicking off and um, causing more trouble, I think, for the kind of uh, and the, the party. The great thing about Ken Livingston, remember, I was there in 2012 when he was defeated by Boris for the mayoral election. I remember him standing up and saying, this is my last election. I'm quitting politics, effectively. Boy, is he back. The, the election that really matters to him has been re-elected to the NEC, and that's where I think you'll all see why the Shadow Cabinet is a bit of a sideshow. The NEC is the action where it's going to happen in the next few months. Uh, we, need to, we need to get on with this. We need to get out in case something else has happened by the end here. But let's do the quiz. <laughs> we were still on TV when we came in, so good Let's do this said. week's quiz, which is called Every Day I'm Reshuffling. Oh, nice. Now, I took... I is, that a culture, is that a cultural reference? I don't know. I, I saw someone tweet it who was younger right. than me, so okay. I assume it's cool, right? <laughs> According to Paul Wall's fantastic email he sends every morning, which I always read the first line of, uh, the Shadow Cabinet reshuffle went on for 34 hours, 13 minutes, right? That's at the top level. Okay, we're not right. going to... Yeah. For the purpose of this quiz, yes. I'm going to say it for hours, 13 Shadow minutes. Right? Cabinet. I'm yeah. going to give you a list of other things, and you've got to tell me whether these would take longer than the Shadow Cabinet reshuffle or not. <laughs> okay. Watching the Bond films back to back, would that take longer Ooh. than 34 hours, 13 yes. minutes? Yes. yes. Longer. It's been more than 20 Bond films. Yeah, longer. Yeah, longer. You're right. It would take 48.5 hours. All right? <laughs> this is easy. Come on. <laughs> this, okay. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. War and Peace. <laughs> War and Peace, there. right? What if about you were, it? If you were to read <laughs> War and Peace at the average of 300 words a minute, um... Would it take you longer <laughs> than 34 hours, 13 minutes to read? God. Five, there's 587,287... 587... Five hundred eighty-seven. Yeah. There's, there's it's a, it's a lot of words. Did Jeremy Corbyn's reshuffle take longer than this quiz? <laughs> is what, <laughs> Look, is what, what would be quicker? Reading War and Peace or doing this bloody reshuffle? <laughs> I mean, War and Peace, definitely shorter. 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 
It is short. It would take you 32.6 hours. Very good. As opposed to 34 hours. Okay. Oh, this is painful, isn't it? Let's put this out of the misery. Come on. <laughs> Jesus coming back from the dead. <laughs> oh, that's good. The resurrection. Oh, um, I think the resurrection was probably just shorter. Um, How many hours? Yeah. Graham? Is, 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 there's a JC overlap here. Yeah, is, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, this what, is this what you're driving at? Oh, yeah. just, uh, it, was, it, was, it was shorter, I would say. Okay. Long, longer. I've no idea. I looked into this. Looked into the Bible. About 60 hours it was. So it was longer, right? And finally, Paul Ward's three-part Huffington Post interview with Jeremy Corbyn. Would it take longer to recap than uh, do this reshuffle? I'm not still not finished. So that was about two weeks ago. Depends what rate you read it at. But I think it's a lot longer than the reshuffle. 300 300 words a minute is apparently average reading. So what do you reckon? Yeah, it wouldn't take as long. No, it was uh, 8,165 words, uh, which take you about 27 minutes to read all right. of Paul Wall's epic. Yeah. I mean, I think it's twice as long as the gospel, according to someone on Twitter. I think this quiz needs to resign. Yeah, that. God, let's end this. That was bad, wasn't it? Right, okay. Um, Jeremy did call it the Tantric Interview. No, he didn't. Did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> there was, of course, other stuff going on this week. It wasn't just about the reshuffle. And actually, Jeremy Corbyn gave, in the middle of all of this nonsense, quite a good performance at PMQs when he um, went to t- t- David Cameron's task over uh, flood defences, particularly in the north of England. Here's a clip of it. Mr Speaker, the reality is that flood defence scheme after flood defence scheme has been cancelled, postponed or cut. Many more homes, many more homes have been flooded and too many lessons have been ignored. Why, why can't the Prime Minister support our calls for a coordinated cross-party approach to flooding that looks at everything, that looks at everything, including upland management to making people's homes more flood resilient and uh, more protection schemes properly funded? Does the Prime Minister agree, at least with this, that the Fire and Rescue Service have done such a great job over the last few weeks in all parts of this country should now be given a statutory duty to deal with floods to help us through any crisis that might occur in the future. So, Graham, what else did, did we miss this week while we were busy sort of listening to journalists standing in stairwells? Well, I wrote a little piece on the five stories that that people might five political stories that people might have missed while the reshuffle was, was going on, and because um, there was a bit of kind of blowback on social media and elsewhere, suggesting why are why are the media obsessed with this story? Um, and there must be other things kind of going on. So I kind of came up with kind of five quick ones, which included the um, David Cameron suspending ministerial collective responsibility. Yeah, we're descriptive the podcast. We're discussing that next. Let's save that to the end. I was about to say, which we'll discuss in detail. <laughs> yeah, next. yeah, yeah. Number one, um, there was the fallout over the flooding, uh, massive flooding across North England, and Scotland over Christmas. Parliament has just returned, so this was an opportunity for um, uh, Westminster basically to take the government to task on that. Um, there was the housing bill, which um, meant that the brought to, 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 to the end um, uh, lifetime tenancies for uh, council homes. That's a hugely significant move. Uh, the fire services are going to be under the control of the Home Office now, rather than Department for uh, Communities and Local Government, which could mean that the um, Police and Crime Commissioners have greater control over the fire services. And the train fares hike on Monday, which was supposed to be a big labour um attack line um but again was kind of overshadowed by uh, the reshuffle so the question here is that who's 
who's drowning this out? Is it is it the media's fault that we're we are obsessed in inverted commas with the reshuffle, or is it just that it's such a big story that it needs to be covered and um, and and readers are interested in in, in that? Specifically, your fault, It's the Labour Party's fault. Ned, what do you think? Is, this, is, this is, thing out. Is this the media's fault, or is it Labour Party's fault for no, messing if, up if, the way the you know, the press being what it is? If you're Labour Party, you don't have a reshuffle that lasts for a whole week. You know, you, you've got to manage the reshuffle and do it quicker, so that there's more space for people to report on other stuff. Yeah, and you can do both as a journalist, as we yeah. all know. So we have well, covered housing. You know, we have covered that big debate about flooding yesterday. After PMQs, we had unusually for the huddle um, all of the questions. What's the huddle? Just talk, sorry, sorry. The huddle is when after Peter Promises questions, journalists go outside the chamber and they talk to the number ten press officers and they quiz them to expand on or sort of elaborate on what the Prime Minister really meant in PMQs, and then you have a, a similar session with the Labour spin doctors. But when we met the number 10 spin doctors, we asked them all about this flooding issue and whether or not Leeds flood defences had been cut, whether or not it, it, it had been un, a subject to austerity or not. Uh, the Prime Minister didn't do any straight answers in the chamber, but we got a bit more uh, sort of wriggle room from number 10 in that huddle afterwards. And it was interesting that uh, there was a sort of yes minister style language where he said, well, number 10 said, well, we didn't cancel this flood defence scheme. What we did was we didn't adopt a proposal, which is exactly <laughs> the same thing, you might say. Um, but ultimately, the real issue is that the LibCon coalition decided very early on to cut flood defence spending. And this was one of the victims of that scheme. And you know, quite rightly, Jeremy Corbyn pushed it very hard. At PMQ. I thought it was a good performance from him, but like you said, you know, people were talking about the reshuffle. Yeah, but I, mean, I didn't actually watch PMQs because I was covering all the nonsense. People, people resigning live on television. And, and just to kind of punt some of our, uh, our merchandise on, a, bit, a bit further, I also wrote another blog. Uh, Did about, you? Are you busy? Um, yeah. In, yeah, 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 I have. Oh, where can we find this blog? Uh, yeah. Annual pay reviews coming up. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just, uh, New Year's resolution, look, was it? Look, some, look, get out of the pub and do some work. Look, go on, mate. Outrageous. I make the point, in Diane Abbott's appearance on Newsnight last night she had a go at special advisors and um, saying that the ministers who were quit were were basically just kind of special advisors so fairly insignificant people I wrote a piece in defense of special advisors and how useful they are in the kind of political uh, the political game and I think the um, Labour's problems in the last few days have been as a result of not having of it being there being an exodus of talent from the Labour Party in terms of how Westminster works, how the media works, how these things are, are, are put all together. Um, and and I, I think that's resulted in this kind of three-day, four-day reshuffle that's occurred, that's, that's meant these stories that were important have been drowned out. Well, there we are. That's a little clue into Graham's contacts out there. Special advice, everyone. So uh... <laughs> We've all left. Um, the, the other big news this week, which Graham uh, revealed there, was that David Cameron has will allow ministers, cabinet ministers, to campaign on whatever side of the EU referendum which they choose, suspending collective responsibility. My intention is that at the conclusion of the renegotiation, the government should reach a clear recommendation and then the referendum will be held. But it is in the nature of a referendum that it is the people, not the politicians, who decide. And as I indicated before Christmas, there will be a clear government position but it will be open to individual ministers to take a different personal position while remaining part of the government. 
This is a significant move. This doesn't happen very often. This did happen in 1975, which leads us on to Graham's stat of the week. Oh. Jingle for that? Yeah. Uh, yeah well, yeah, not not yet. But go yeah. on, Graham. This is your stat Sorry. of the week. Owen is, is handing me over a notepad that he scrawled something on. I can't and get the printer to work. Cannot read it. In the 1975 referendum, am I reading the bottom bit? Yeah, yeah. Not the top bit. Not the top bit at the end. The doodle at the top. Not for broadcast. In the 1975 referendum, Wilson suspended collective responsibility. Only five of the 23 cabinet ministers campaigned for no. For no. It says four. Is that shorthand? So yeah, five cabinet ministers campaigned for no. (laughs) And they they were and. Just to say that the question is at the bottom and the answer is at the top. So, um, they were Michael Foote, Tony Benn, Peter Shaw, Eric Vardy and Barbara Castle. So it was five that time. Paul, will we get five cabinet ministers this time, do you reckon? More or, more or less campaigning. Liam Fox reckon this week six or seven could walk um, or, or rather could want to campaign for Brexit. It's not quite the same as, as quitting now. Um, we'll see. There could be eight or nine, it depends uh, on how firm they're going to be. The interesting thing about Tony Benn there, you, who you mentioned, mm. is that he was demoted by Wilson after that no vote. Um, and it would be interesting to see whether or not Cameron has any leeway to do anything remotely like that. In fact, the opposite might happen. I suspect he might well, after this EU referendum, which we're expecting possibly as early as this June, with a reshuffle in July, it, he could call people back like Liam Fox into the Cabinet it could have to strengthen the right rather than demote it. And I think that's quite significant. On the premise that one of the things that's keeping people out of the Cabinet at the moment is they are so vocally Eurosceptic and they don't really believe what Cameron's doing. And once that issue's been dealt with, you can say, look, we've had that argument, now it's done. Liam Fox, you can come back. Owen Patterson, you can come back. Exactly. I think a lot of people are talking about that. It'd be smart politics to heal the party. Assuming that we vote to stay in, I mean, how believable is it that Cameron's claim that even if we go out, he'll stay on as Prime Minister? I mean, that seems completely absurd to me. But it was interesting that he actually said that, though, because he usually dodges that question. But in the Commons, I think it was a couple of days ago, he said, I'll stay on come what may, which seems not very likely. But interesting that he actually said that. And it can bring us back full circle. Of course, if there is a government reshuffle, as we expect in July... There will almost certainly have to be another Labour reshuffle, um, which means that, you know... This one will still be going on, though, won't it? Be, you know, the reshuffle that goes on for months, effectively. It last longer than the whole Bible. And I, I, I personally think if, it, if there is another reshuffle and a Labour reshuffle, we, it could be the end for Henry Benn in July. Well, well on that bombshell, we uh, say, I hope you enjoyed the first podcast of 2016. I'm not here for the next couple of weeks. Great. Met by some bold Great. silence there. So good luck doing this about your quiz and your stat of the week. Yeah? Oh, that's a challenge. Yeah, anyway. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. But next week, these three jokers will be uh, guarding you through the week of politics. <laughs> doing a much worse job. See you later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 